Welcome, everyone. Hi, it's Tim and Anthony once again. Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode number 143. As uh, we are in the middle of June. The end of June now. Yeah, 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 towards the end. You're right. It's more than Next week to fourth. <coughs> yeah, excuse me. Yeah, already. holy smokes. You're right. It's what, the 25th, 26th already? 26th, yeah. Where does it go? Who knows? I mean, I, these days are just flying by now. You know, you, you go through a work week and it's like, and the individual days, like a Monday and Tuesday, it seems like it goes on forever. And you look up and it's end of June already. Yeah, it does go fast. And uh, so does the money. I mean, colleges go back and. A month and a half. I know. It's crazy. Uh, so what's going on in the world for all of us? I'm in the middle of the GDFL football season, and I have a game later tonight as the Gladiators will take on the Cleveland Rams, if I remember correctly. And I had a chance to see the Rams play the uh, Cleveland Cobras earlier, so I have a little heads up on mm-hmm. them. And we're going to do a podcast hopefully next week. I haven't had a chance to... Get all the information, but it's going to do a podcast strictly on the Ohio Gladiators and uh, <coughs> excuse me, everyone, uh, to uh, meet uh, the players and the coaching staff and the organization, you know, five, ten minutes with each guy just to uh, have them mm-hmm. come on, come off. So stay tuned for that. Hopefully we'll have that uh, by July 4th. If not, we'll have it after July 4th just to uh Give them a uh, a little salute for what they they're trying to achieve this year. Uh, this will probably be posted after the fact, but they play today at uh, seven o'clock, and I will be in alliance for that game. So I got that going on. Obviously, the Cleveland Indians in the midst of the season, and uh, haven't checked the standings. I hate looking at standings, but last I looked, they were two games out. They may be three games out now. Uh, nine games above five hundred. They have no uh, starting pitching. Hey, smoke and mirrors, they're getting the job done. I don't care what anyone tells me. You, know, you look at that, that's getting the job done. And uh, Anthony has a different feeling on that, so we're going to get to yeah. all that here in a little bit. But uh, before anything, let's just say hello to Anthony. Yeah, it's nice to be back. Um, it, it, like we talked about, it's already amazing. It's the end of June, and next week's the fourth. The All-Star breaks in two weeks, and uh, trade deadline's a month, month and a couple of days from now. So... Yeah, and that means training camp too, and everything else. It's it's just piles on anymore. It just seems like nothing ends. No. It's just always beginning, and yes. you're in the middle of it. And it, it shocks me how everything overlaps. Matter of fact, just like this past week, uh, Friday night, or actually Thursday night, the the NHL ended for myself mm-hmm. as my Las Vegas or Vegas Knights ended up losing in six to Montreal in a heartbreaking series. I mean, give credit to Montreal for winning the series. Give credit to Montreal for playing in the Stanley Cup uh, next week against the defending champions, the Lightning. But, man... Talk about a missed opportunity for Vegas. They just absolutely had everything not go their way. If there was a team of destiny right now, it is Montreal. Now, they got to face an amazing team coming up in the Lightning. So, it's not easy to win the next four for them. All I'm going to say is when things just don't go your way in the playoffs, in the series, it's difficult. They shut down your one, you know, Montreal was able to shut down Mark Stone. 
which really changed the outcome of the offense for the uh, for the Knights. And then, you know, the greatest guy in the NHL and Mark Andre Fleury mm-hmm. has just the most unfortunate scenario where he's he playing in goal. You're down in the last 15 seconds. You're about to win two to one, mm-hmm. and the puck just slips away from him in front of the goal. Oh, boy. And they tap it in right then. And now it's 2-2. And the series changes right there. Yeah. And they go to overtime. They lose. The next game, they change goalies. They bring in the Panda and and Robin Lerner. You know, nothing against the Panda. I like the Panda. Played well. They win. Mm -hmm. They go to the next series at home. Mark Andrew Fleury's back in at goal. Not the reason why they lost. They made mistakes defensively. They left people open. And they allowed, you know, the Habs to, to take control of the series 3-2 to two at home. Game six, same type of thing. They had their opportunities. They were down 2-1. Early in the third, you get the big goal from mm-hmm. Martinez to tie it at two. Couldn't do anything else the rest of the period. Went to overtime for a third time in this in this series, and again, Lost. a game winner, loser, or whatever you want to call it, you know, for Montreal, and oh, gut wrenching, gut wrenching. So, there's my little NHL highlight uh, for the podcast. It but, seems like you've had a tough sports year so far. Yeah, it's just you know one of those years. You, you either uh, I have a, a really bad team, or a team that's just going to break my heart. And you know, what can you do? That's part of sports. Far too often, that is the part of sports, and it's what makes being up top so sweet. Because you've been through all the struggles, and you and you've been through the heartache. So that's why winning is so sweet. But it doesn't make these at least heartbreaks any less. Oh no, that's what that's that's the fun part of being a, a sports fan is is being emotionally involved, and. It is all part of sports, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't talk about it last week, and I obviously I talk about the AFL, mm-hmm. uh, the Australian Rules Football in Australia, and uh, my team, the Magpies, uh, have been struggling. Mm-hmm. They they had the problem in off, the organization, yeah. the off, with the uh, racism charges, and they've went into the season and. The president of the team finally did resign, mm-hmm. which was needed to happen. And when you're an organization in turmoil and change, usually you almost have to clean house. And they're in a process. It's a slow process there. It hasn't been done. The, the head coach, the manager, however mm-hmm. we want to look at it, and uh, stepped down last week mm-hmm. going into a bye. He finally realized the writing on the wall and – and uh, Buck stepped down, and that was good. He needed to. And uh, good news was this week, uh, the American, M- Mason Cox, reevaluated back to the, to the senior team. So uh, he was on the field last night. They ended up losing. But, again, you, you, your teams, they go up and down. I'm yeah. using two, two of my teams that we don't talk about a lot, and, you know, the Magpies or this. Or you look at, like, Liverpool, who won the championship a year ago. Mm-hmm. And then this past year struggled throughout the season and then had a miracle end, or a, not a miracle, but an amazing race to the end to make top four mm-hmm. to qualify for next year's European championships. And then you look at the Indians, 
which we're going to get into right now, mm-hmm. uh, their offseason, where they they came out and publicly said the pandemic financially crushed mm-hmm. them. They ended up letting making moves, basically cutting salary. And, you know, Carlos Carrasco was the biggest name. Yep. We knew Francisco Lindor was going to be yeah. here. But, uh, you know, you're talking about your number two pitcher on, mm-hmm. this t- on his staff who was traded in that trade. And, you know, they cut significant revenue or, you know, yeah. resources, I should say. And now this season they went young with their starting pitching staff. I mean, Bieber is an ace and Bieber 25? is 24, 25, 25 years yeah. old. Yeah. And I think Plesak's actually the oldest member of the team. 20... And he only has like 20 starts in the major leagues. Yeah. So what happens when you have a young staff well two things happens either they flop or not, they struggle mm-hmm. and we've seen a couple of them struggle or you get injuries and son of a gun both of them happened and right now here we are on june 26 and the entire starting five that started the season is either in the minor leagues or on the il let me ask you this and I, i'm i'm not of this belief but I've had people pose it to me. Do you think any of these injuries outside of Plesac are attributed to substance use and then stop using it suddenly and all that? You mean the sticky stuff? Yes. No. I don't either. No, no. Because most of these injuries happened before that rule came into effect. So you don't think they no. were using it and then got away well, once they started to... Let me put it this way. I think all pitchers use something. Oh, okay. yeah. And the amount and how they use it and how they apply it. I think what happened here, and, and just to talk about baseball and its, its silliness, and, and it's really ridiculous how, the way they handle things. Everyone was complaining last year about the quote-unquote juice baseball mm-hmm. and all You're the right. home runs. Yep. So baseball made the... Seems lower. Well, baseball made the decision to change the baseball yep. this past offseason. So in the process... The, the seams might be a little taller, mm, yep. a little higher. Yep. I remember a few years ago, they made sure the seams are smaller. smaller about yes. five, six years yep. ago when the, when the numbers started yes. going up. So pitchers then adjusted. And one of the things was they found out using rosin and using sweat and, sweat, and other yeah. things, yeah, that they can get away, they can get a better grip on the ball and make it dance. And they have. Now, you change the baseball, the players have, have made their adjustments, and batting averages are low. Well, mm-hmm. two factors to the batting average being low. I'm not going to disagree with changing the baseball and the pitchers caught up to the hitters. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that it's not true. Obviously, that's true. However, what also changed is the way baseball players attack the baseball. Right. 100% right. When they're at the plate, for the most part, the launch angle and the desire to hit hard mm-hmm. and up high has taken over the idea of how to hit situational. Yep. So there's a lot of factors in this. And what baseball chose to do in the middle of the season, to me, is just idiotic. You don't change something in the middle. You can add to it, meaning, in my opinion, you can make, you know, you like, for example, if you want to cut the time in between innings down, Mm -hmm. or if you want to say a pitcher can only have eight 
Warm up pitches. Warm up yeah. pitches. Stuff like that. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah, that's not. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, but I can live with that. You that's know? a little tweak. Yeah. Yeah. Those are tweaks. Those are not important. That's really not affecting the no, game. No, it's not. But to go to this level and then to have the revolt that you've had from pitchers, and I can't blame them. No, I can't. They're hear. being sought out as criminals, and there's no reason for that. It's almost like they're guilty until proven innocent. Oh, they are guilty until they're proven innocent. And I. I I, I, I tweeted this out the other day, and I, uh, those who may have seen it may have taken a laugh, but I, w- I hope you're at the ball game when this happens. Is whatever pitcher gets, gets caught, no, 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 just gets evaluated, where the the umpire yes, yep. comes out and he takes off his belt and he takes off his hat. I want him to do two things. I want him to play the stripper. Yes. On 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 the, on on the, the big screen and yep. that or. Better yet, and this is kind of not factual, but I want to hear Tom Jones or I want to hear Joe Cocker saying, you can leave your hat on. (laughs) You know, I just, to me, that would just put this all in perspective. It's absolutely nuts. Even though you can't leave your hat on because they're going to check your hat. I still think that would be the perfect songs for those situations. And and I've seen the highlights of the players dropping their pants and all that. So why not put the stripper theme music up on uh, on the loudspeakers and and or have uh, Joe Cocker, you know, you know, sing. You can leave your hat on. This is turning baseball into a farce. Well, the whole this is becoming like. Going through customs at an international airport. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, uh, look, I, I get the idea of cutting down the illegal substance use, and I I understand that. But it almost seems to me like baseball is solely blaming pitchers pitchers using illegal substances for the offense being down when it's not. Because, like you said, there's multiple reasons. Yes. For it. The way baseball is played nowadays, it's launch angle and pull it, pull it, pull it. Some guys want to go to the opposite field, right. but you're a hundred percent correct. And then you look at defense, how it yes. would be more. I think as crazy as it sounds, if they came with the rule that you couldn't uh, do the the swing and the switch, the switch, yeah, you know, the shift, yeah, the shift. Excuse me, and or put the the. The saying of uh, spikes on ground. Yes. You know, that would change the game dramatically. I would like that. Well, as crazy as it sounds to do that in the middle of the season, I would have been more in favor of that than what they're doing. Yes. And I think both of them would be absolutely wrong to do in the middle of the season. And that's basically where I think baseball screwed up. They shouldn't have done it today. You should have put a memo out saying starting next year, this is what we're going to do. Well, you could do that even in the off season. That's fine. You could tell them that, hey, we're gather when they said quote gathering gat data. Yes, that's fine. Yep, I have no problem with that. And if you were want to a examine baseballs that pitchers are throwing, fine, and then send a memo to the to this the league, team yeah. and to the player and through the association saying this is what we analyze on the pitches that. Or threw, the balls yeah. that you threw compared to others in the league and given reason yep. why now, they not just, that they're on a list, but they're being evaluated. Yeah. And that's fair because then that person has the opportunity to choose to make a, ch- a change or not. And if they don't make a change, then you have the right. And yes, 
the rules are the rules, and they've been on the books forever. But baseball also has the ability not to pay attention to the rules, and all of a sudden to all of a sudden, say yes. this or that's going to be enforced in June. That wasn't enforced in April and May. And quite honest, with the April and May, because you have to play all these games and cold weather climates, it's going to affect offense. Yeah. And pitchers are always usually do have the advantage. So I, I, I'm frustrated by it all. I think it's ridiculous. And it's a complete embarrassment. It is an embarrassment. And I hope that come All-Star break, they find a better way of doing this. Because what they're doing right now, I'll be honest, I have no desire to watch it. It is. It's almost comical. Like, it's, you know, on Monday, I believe, the Nationals were playing the Phillies. And Scherzer's out there doing what Max Scherzer does. Right. Three innings. Seven Ks. Yep, that's Max Scherzer. Yep. that's been that's always who he's been for since fifteen he, years. Yes, exactly. And it's even better on a bigger stage. So all of a sudden, when the Phillies, who aren't very good this year, can't hit Max Scherzer, who's going to be a Hall of Famer, not only does Scherzer get checked after the first inning, after the second inning, he got checked after the third inning. But before that, Joe Girardi sent the umpires out. To go check him after a strikeout. Well, here's the thing. And that's becoming ridiculous. Well, here's... See, this is where Joe Girardi knows the rules of baseball as a manager. The rules always was stated. You know, you could talk about... You know, like, for example, Mm -hmm. there's been always a lot of talk in a dugout Mm -hmm. at pitchers who they believe are doctoring Oh, yes. I remember Bowers... Well, no, just just players against them. Yeah. You know, they're barking, barking, barking. Okay, about that. They can bark all they want. The umpire does not need to check it unless... He suspects it. No. Unless the opposite manager manager requests it. That's the rule. The rule is, you're the manager... I'm the player that's throwing this yep. junk. You have to request me, the, the me to umpire check, yeah. to come out and check me. Now, once that happens, the problem with that is, you know, the rest of the league is going to do it to your players. Yep. Now, when you're a bad team like Philadelphia, maybe you don't care. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're looking for one advantage. And in the end, you know, I don't get it. That's what they gotta be. It's just stupid to do it the way they're doing it and how they did it. And I don't blame players for revolting and making Major League Baseball embarrassed. Yeah, because they're the ones who chose to do it in the middle of a season. Who originally said they were going to gather data and then, you know, wouldn't make a change this year and then did. For a league that screw them, in my opinion. For a league that we talked about last week, that is notorious for kicking the can down the road. And that's what baseball has always done, is kick the can down the road, kick the can down the road. This seems to me like they kind of knew they're known for kicking the can down the road and made a knee-jerk reaction, spur of the moment, they didn't have enough data. Well, you know, this, here's the problem with all sports, is a commissioner works for the owners. So when you have a majority of ownership who opposes something, Mm -hmm. the commissioner, just by default, has to either A, change their opinion, or B, accept that and live with it and make the adjustments Mm -hmm. necessary. That's basically what has happened here, in my opinion. 
And this goes across all leagues. The difference in, like, let's use the NBA mm-hmm. with Adam Silver and Manford is Adam Silver actually has a good relationship yes. with the baseball or the basketball players mm-hmm. association. Not a great one, but a good one. A, a working yes. one. Work so one, when yes. they need to make changes or do something, they work together they to figure it. Yeah, they get a dialogue together and they work on it and then proposals are made, final decisions are made, but for the most part they're ironed out mm-hmm. within. Baseball does not for the life of me ever has none how to do that. No. And the closest they got was Bud Sillick, but Bud Sillick was still an owner and always sided with yep. the ownership. And that's the job of a, of a commissioner today. The days of commissioners who are independent, the days of commissioners who are about the best of the game are long gone, gone yep. and they never have it. They're about promotion of the game. They're about taking the ownership's position and developing that position for the fans to accept. That's the job of a commissioner today because they work for the owners. They don't work for the players. They work for the owners. The players then have to deal with whatever circumstances are coming up. And, you know, through arbitration, through negotiation, mm-hmm. through everything. So, if you had an organization, a league, that uses the players, has a a working agreement with them, then things are a lot simpler. For example, Major League, or the NFL, for many years, as maybe as Baza was for the players, had a good working relationship mm-hmm. with ownership. And they always got deals done. And uh, most of the time in the last 25 years, the ownership have really taken advantage mm-hmm. of that and, and have gotten great deals from the players. Uh, baseball, for the most part, players have always stuck together and got the best deal they possibly could. The last few times, the, the ownership has had the upper hand. Uh, basketball, they've worked together throughout the time. They've had their problems, but for the most part, they work together. I'll give you a perfect example. Again, I'll go back to uh, the AFL in Australia. They have the the clubs, and they've all developed basically the, a women's program. And, and they've made this decision, the league made the decision, to start the women's season a month earlier than normal. Mm-hmm. So it's going to start in December. Now, again, remember, got, this is Australian right, yeah. summer and the heat. That's a, this is a winter mm-hmm. game for the most part in Australia because of that and, and the climate. So not only that, but now you're dealing with career women who not necessarily are 100%. Well, none of them are uh, just footballers you know they have secondary oh, they that's their job, secondary yeah. job they, they have a full job time yeah. job somewhere else and that so now they have to adjust their lives to see if they can you know be able to do it some of them are multi-sport players that play basketball during one part of the season or mm-hmm. another sport uh track and field whatever mm-hmm. and then play this in the, during that time period well they never can they never contacted the players to say mm-hmm. this is what we're going to do How, what's your thoughts yep. on this and they implement this new system and there are players now who are 
making the choice not to play mm-hmm. because they interferes with their other opportunities, their other mm-hmm. things they're doing. And that's again, without communication, without a working partnership, mm-hmm. you can't get a lot done. Uh, you don't get the maximum s- scenario for your sport done. Mm-hmm. And that's frustrating. And we've seen this in many, many times in the world of sports. So, yeah, I'm, I'm frustrated by the, the new rule. It is what it is. I think uh, the players are, are handling it the way they want to individually, and I get that. And uh, how I would do it if I was uh, had control of the inning as the uh, DJ, I'd be playing the stripper music in uh, Tom Jones and Joe Cocker's version of You Can Leave Your Hat On. Yeah, it's just, it's just becoming a joke. And... Um... Even Mark Wagner, the crew chief for, uh, for the Indians game, when they started this whole thing, told Tito and David Ross, he said, we're not looking for anybody out here. We're just doing what we can do. You know, so... Well, yeah, it's like anything. If you were told to do something at work that was... You're going to ex- do it. You yeah. have, sometimes you have no choice. you got to do it, yeah. Sometimes you have they no choice. They don't want to do it, but they got to do it. It's, it's part of their job. It's yeah. what is expected of them. And that's the way it works. It's like... The the warning of both teams on a an intentional pitch at a player. Yep. Mm-hmm. Your team is in the dugout and you got warned. Yep. Wait a minute. Wait. We can't retaliate. We we don't have the right to go back and throw out their their third baseman because they throw it at yep. mine. You know that's where that problem when you warn both teams at the same time what happens, and that's basically why rules like that are very difficult to enforce properly. And that's why you, every time you ever hear the, uh, the audio of those type scenarios, mm-hmm. you got to give me a chance. That's not fair. You know, Terry Collins yes. with the Mets. It's mm-hmm. famous. That famous video that's like 10 years ago. I mean, five, seven years ago. Uh, very famous. Yep. And he's yelling at the umpire and he goes, Terry, you know, there's nothing I can do. I have to do it yep. this way. This I have, you know, my hands yep. are tied too. You get it all out, but you're, you know, you yep. didn't give us a chance. You didn't give us a chance. You just had your chance, yep. you know, that whole thing. Yep. That's basically what you have when you have a rule that does not necessarily fix the problem. And I think baseball, again, has put a rule in that's not going to fix the problem. I completely agree. This is. To me, again, we talk about it. It's putting a bandit on a broken arm. Yeah, it's not. It's not going to do anything besides. It's not going to do anything at all to help fix the root of the problem. And unfortunately, this is just another talking point to when the collecting and bargain agreement is up after this season, and we go into next year. Um, it's going to get really, really ugly. And it got ugly last year during the uh, pandemic and figuring out how to play a season, they have to play a season, how many games. And it's going to only get uglier when they negotiate the next CBA. Um, a lot of people are talking about a strike, and it would not shock me if it happens. I expect it. I, I truly, truly it's, do not it, expect baseball to be played next year or to be delayed. I'll be really surprised if uh, – the baseball season goes on as expected yeah, next year, get as normal would. Really, nah, I just it's, my it's my belief really is that they're ugly. so far apart, and they're doing everything they can to agitate each other. That yes. it's not. It's it's, it's almost it's like, a bad scenario. Yes, uh, it, it is almost 
now like you mentioned they're doing stuff to agitate each other you know you know this agitates the one group so we're going to do it and that group knows this agitates you and they're going to do it it's uh it's going to get completely really ugly here once the season wraps up in october november um and i want to see the first one to be thrown out of a game with this sticky stuff and it might be george pratt 2.0 we'll see We'll uh, definitely see. It's possible. All right. Looking at Major League Baseball here, and we'll get into the, our Indians talk here while we have this opportunity. Uh, I pulled up the standings because I never look at standings. No, you I, don't. You don't look at standings. I hate still, looking at yeah. To me, in June, it makes no sense. Uh, you can tell by how many. You should know basically where your own team's wins and losses. And, and it should tell you where you should be. So, uh, looking at the AL East, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, not surprising. Just playing good baseball throughout the season. Now they are, they've only won three of the last ten games. Yeah, they lost seven in a row. Yeah, they, yeah. They've, they've only won three of the last seven ga- ten games. Excuse me. Uh, but they're 46-31 and 31 leading the East. The Red Sox, the big surprise yes. in baseball, are 45-31, and 31, uh, half game back. The dreaded Yankees are 40-35, and 35, where everyone's complaining that they this is a bad team. Um, in New York, so the Blue Jays probably the disappointing team so far. I agree with you there. Uh, thirty-eight and thirty-six, and the Baltimore Orioles. Oh, well, they are pathetic. They're twenty-four and fifty-two, and they're going to be pathetic all season long. They're terrible. Looking at the ALE uh, Central, the White Sox are up on the Indians by two games. They have forty-four wins, thirty-one losses. The Indians are forty-one and thirty-two. The Royals are 33 and 41. Their hot start has uh, come back crashing down. The Tigers and the Twins are both uh, in the bottom with 32 wins. In the West, it's the Astros, the Cheaters, uh, with 47 wins. The Athletics, 46. Not a surprise there. Always tough. Uh, Seattle with 40. The Angels I with 36. And the Rangers with 28. The Angels with 36 is probably right where you expect because they don't have the pitching. Yeah, and they don't have Mike Trout either still. Yeah. Um, so I think the surprise team there in the American League is Seattle. Yeah, they're playing good ball. I mean, yeah. they're not playing great, but they're they're hanging in there. I mean, in a very tough division, they're hanging in there. But, and the Astros have won 11 in a row, I believe, going into yesterday. I don't know if they won last right. night or not. So the Indians but, are 41-32 and 32 in a season where they've been – Devastated the starting pitching with injuries. Mm-hmm. They made some lousy roster decisions early. They made some corrections as the season's gone long. Not surprised. That's how the Indians work. Uh, I'm not frustrated. I'm disappointed. I'm not even disappointed. I'm like, they are actually achieving better than I expected. And... I don't have high expectations. So, you know, I said 88 to 90 wins this year, and they're right on pace for that. This team will not win 88 to 90 games. They will lose 90 games. We'll find out. Tell they me why. They will lose 90 games. Uh, this starting pitching, with all the injuries, is a dumpster fire. And you don't have one guy now that should be in the big leagues. And that, and that's not their fault. That's not their fault. Um, this is one of the worst defensive teams we have had in – 10 to 15 years. That I can't disagree with. It, it is, is a bad defensive and it's team. Not, and it's not so much, you know, making the plays. It's the lack of baseball IQ that is just 
completely baffled me. Like last year, Cesar Hernandez was a gold glover. Everything he sucked up was a vacuum. This year, when the balls hit him, you better hold your breath because he's not making the play more often. Let me let me stop you there. I agree. I understand your criticism is fair. Criticism is fair on his defensive play, but I will say this: What's different this year? He doesn't have the same first baseman who made every play, and he doesn't have the same shortstop who made most of the plays. Yeah, but the ball sit right in the backhands. He's awful at the backhand play, and his range is terrible. Well, his range no is range. limited, and it's it's you know those these are fair criticisms. I'm not saying they're not fair. But what what is different? This I don't year? think. I think that's huge because you don't. Have you the have same... a better shortstop this year. Nah, I don't think so. And I don't think a shortstop or first baseman is going to help him with his backhand or his his range. Well, he has been an absolute embarrassment. His throwings have been bad. His throws have been horrible. And if you don't have that, yeah. I mean, Santana. How many how many errors did Santana save last year? A lot. You but, don't have the same first baseman this year. Yeah, but that makes his, a huge difference. His throws are in the problem. Like he's not even making the plays. Like last night, for the game on the right. line, his backhand, like he's picks it. His fielding of the ball has just been abysmal. I agree. I mean, it's, it's not been, been as high as it was last terrible. year. Terrible. I'm just saying. What's Offensively, the he's been a joke. He's a guaranteed out 85 percent of the time. Up this one-handed Russell Brannion. Ole stuff is just <laughs> getting ridiculous. Um, your outfield defense is the worst in baseball. It is a mess. And the bad thing is you have two first basemen on this roster because Josh Naylor is not an outfielder. He's a terrible outfielder. Well, yeah, he's playing out of position. I'm not going to disagree. But you can't put him at DH because you got Framiel Reyes and you have to give Bobby Bradley the first base reps. So, unless you hope to God that he doesn't screw up and accept the one to two errors he's going to make a game, then fine. Um, you don't have a center fielder. It is time to end the Bradley Zimmer experiment. It's time to DFA him. He's awful. I he see. I disagree awful. there. I Bradley think... Zimmer couldn't play for Akron. He is awful. No, he, he, could, he could play terrible. for 31 other major league teams. No, but, he's yeah. not. No, he cannot. No, he can. He is terrible. He is worthless. He can't hit the fastball inside. His swing is way too long and slow. As fast as Jose well, is, is getting his hands inside, he is Okay, as let slow. me ask you this. And this is going back three months. And the months. ball last wait minute, night. Wait, 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 wait. I understand. Your criticism of the defense is 100% accurate. I'm not disagreeing with you at all. I'm asking you about your expectations. Now, the reason I say that is we talked about coming into the season that the Alpha was a disaster. We didn't expect I, – I hardly expect gold glove play from any of them. And I didn't expect good play. And that was before Bradley Zimmer was promoted. Mm-hmm. That was just the Alpha that we, we started the season with, with Rosario, with Naylor, and center field being a disaster mm-hmm. that it is. So, with that in mind, are your expectations too high? No, because my expectations were to at least be competent. And this team has not been competent at all defensively. The The ball last night, and I don't want anybody to say, first of all, Whitgren just grew that ball right in the middle. He's been a disaster. He's been terrible this year. Um, Nick Whitgren is also known as the gas can because all he throws is batting practice. Last night, Brett... 
this team cannot run back on a ball to save their life. I it agree is, with that. I mean, the defense is terrible on that. If in the you outfield. have Josh Naylor charging in on a ball, he's Ricky Henderson, Kenny Lofton. He's making every play. But if you want him to go back on a ball, it's not happening. Last night, I know, I know it was a tough play, but there are two things concerning me. A, the lack of communication out there. Is Denver's not taking control. He almost had three collisions with him and Naylor and him and Harold last night. Um, the ball in the seventh or sixth inning, off the bat of Arise, who's now become an Indian killer. Kepler's not the Indian killer anymore. It's now Arise. First of all, it's a fastball down the middle. I don't know why you're throwing that on a one-two count, but hey, that's what Gascan does. So uh, he's a Zach McAllister now. But the ball is sitting in the left center gap. It is barely to the warning track. Now hit it up against the wall because Bradley Zimmer just jogs back. This team cannot sprint back on a ball and settle under it. And Zimmer, of all of them, has the second best speed on the team. He should be able to make that play. He should be able to make that play. So if you're not going to make that play and you're having difficulties in communication, when you've been up, when you've played in the Major League since 2017, and you're hitting 215, 220, I have no purpose for you. I have no purpose for you. Send him somewhere else. He, he, he can go play for Baltimore, all I care. And he wouldn't start for Baltimore because they got three outdoors better than him, which is embarrassing. I am so tired of this Ole stuff. And if you throw him inside, anywhere inside, he's not swinging because he can't get to it. He is not swinging. And then last night, the ninth inning, it's 8-7 because the Twins' bullpen is as bad as the Indians was in 2018. It might be worse. Um, and Rocco Baldelli needs to be fired. But I'm not a Twins fan, so I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> um, last on the ninth inning, the ball hits off the corner wall. And Zimmer goes to second base and is out by five feet. You don't make out on the base pass, especially in the ninth inning. You were told you don't make the first out on the base pass, and you don't make the last out. Now, I get... Him, you know, being aggressive and all of that, and, you know, and they're going to say he's aggressive. That's stupidity. The only the only 10% of me that says, okay, Bradley, I'm fine with that, is because you have the worst catcher in baseball on deck behind him. And Tito's not pitching for him because he he loves himself some Austin Hedges, and he's not getting off that bandwagon anytime soon. Yeah, he's just getting a few hits lately. And 153. Yeah. 153. Well, yeah, about five RBIs in two games? Two are two RBI, but a pass ball that the ball should be. You, you got to get. I, I'm sorry, I, I've seen my cousin make that play a hundred of a hundred times, not a ten year old ball. That's an easy play you got to make. Instead, you put a double A pitcher in Mejia and a basketball already because you can't you can't stop a routine ball. And he's probably done hitting for a month now. I will say this. Injuries have devastated the the lineup, both on the starting pitching and yeah, I'm not blaming well, the rotations. Well, well here's on. the thing: you don't have what I would call a forty man roster where you're calling people up to who are going to succeed at at the highest level. Uh, you have a forty man roster that fills positions and opportunities that necessary. Uh, they're stretched right now, right now at pitching just because they have young pitching coming up and they got pitchers who are here before they need to be. 
Yeah, there's and two some years of them are life. some of them are succeeding, some of them are struggling, some of them are 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 up and down. I mean, he is a perfect example of up and down. I mean, he pitched very well the last time out. Got you five innings. You know, mm-hmm. did his job. Of under, under, well, the now, time against the Pittsburgh, two times he before terrible. he was terrible. Well, the time against Pittsburgh last week he was terrible. Well, that's my point. You're going to get that with young players. You're going to get. You're not going to get consistency. I'm not going to put this on starting pitching because they shouldn't be up here. Hentges and Mejia and Morgan are probably two years away. Oh God, yeah. So at least a I'm year. not putting that. So then you have got to have some semblance of a defense, and you don't. But these players aren't capable of that, Anthony. Then you got to find guys that are. Well, this is the team you have right you, now. Again, I know what you're saying, but you can't you can't change on a fly. You really can't. The roster construction this year was terrible. Well, there, I'm not going to disagree. That's a legitimate argument to have. And the decision-making at the beginning of the season was legitimately fair criticism. Uh, I understood why. The, the reason they gave why they kept Bowers over Bradley, as pathetic it was, I understood it. Made it made sense to me, yeah. I understood it. I disagreed with it. I understood it. Yeah. And there's probably another advantage of not having Bradley have a full season at the major league level. Yeah. I, and I'll be honest, we won't know that that factor until the next contract with base, Major League Baseball because that's going to be a contention of of the uh, the Players Association of how they teams manipulate the 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 roster to keep a player an extra year longer, like the Indians did with mm-hmm. Francisco Lindor and others. Yeah, everybody does it. Everyone does yeah. it because it's everybody allowed, it, and yes. you understand that. Yeah. That's why players come Everybody manipulates it. Very seldom does a player start the season with the Major League Club as a rookie. Yes. They usually start in June because mm-hmm. they can ma- the manipulate that extra yep. year of eligibility, mm-hmm. and everyone does it. It's just, I mean, it's just the way it works. Until the rules change, that's the way it's going to happen. I have a feeling that is an undercoated part of the Bradley story that no one's talking about. Oh, yeah, I can't they... prove that because I don't know the, I can't, but I I believe there's no question that had to been part well, of Well, did his service time start last year when he was called up? Every time a, a player gets called up, those amount of games you play are, are the amount of games you're eligible to play. Yes count towards your service, your time. service yeah. time. So if he's up for a month, he has 30 days service yep. time. If he's up for two weeks, he has two weeks yep. service time. So all that matters. And that's why we talked about it, that Bowers was probably going to be here for the first two months of the mm-hmm. season. And that's basically what he was. And whatever reason they had behind it all long term is the front office decision. And we got to mm-hmm. deal with it. Uh, Rosario, Ahmad Rosario, whose who's bat has been phenomenal. He's been really well. And, well, they made a decision early in the season because of defense that they thought um, the other shortstop, uh, Jimenez, Jimenez yeah. excuse me, Jimenez would be a better fit mm-hmm. to start the season because of his defense. Even though they were kind of yeah. sold on his bat, they believed, and his bat in the end was yep. atrocious. Yeah, and terrible. then you had Bauer's bat was atrocious. It was a really bad start of the mm-hmm. season. April was disgusting. Then you put, because you had to have somebody play center field, you ended up with Rosario out of center field, you know, most of mm-hmm. May, or, you know, April and May. 
and then you finally made a decision halfway through May to to send down him and Jimenez and mm-hmm. Rosario's at short. Now with Rosario at short, you know the guy can't play shortstop. He's a terrible shortstop. He's the worst shortstop in baseball. But you're doing it because of his bat. No, he came up as a shortstop with the Mets organization. Yeah, and he was terrible then. It was he's a liability at short. He is who he is. Now he may get better as time goes by because he's young and he has the opportunity mm-hmm. to get better. But we know that. We know you're not going to get all star defensive play short at shortstop. Mm-hmm. That's not possible. We knew we weren't going to get it at first base. It's not possible. We knew we weren't going to get it in center field. It's not possible. It's not possible in center field. It's not possible at shortstop. It's not possible at first base. And at at catching, your number one catcher goes down. Now, anybody who knows baseball knows up the middle matters the most defensively. Now, you look at the Indians. Backup catcher. You have a second baseman who's playing below average. Mm-hmm. You have a, a shortstop who's below average. You have, have a no center fielder who's below average. Now, you, the defensive problems that the Indians are having, are you shocked? Jake Byers was an above average defensively first baseman. Offensively, he was no, he was terrible. But I'm just saying, are you shocked by when you go through it that way? Are you shocked? Because going guess, into the um, season, we all knew this I was a scenario. I guess I'm surprised a little bit Why? by the regression of Cesar Hernandez because last year he was good. Yeah, but he only played 60 he, games. We don't know what last year means. No, but he was good defensively in Philadelphia, too. I'm not going to say he was I'm or wasn't. Su- I'm sure he was. I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you that he's had a below-average year with the I'm club. more surprised at his just meteoric slide offensively. I mean, I'm stunned by that. Uh, that has uh, that's really surprised me. Um, and Zimmer defensively up until this year was competent. He was good. I mean... I will say this. The Indians also signed Hernandez knowing he was probably a one-year gap. Because they had two players that they believe in who are, they believe, should be Major League ready in the next year. And one was Owen Miller, yep. and the other is Clement. So, sometimes in baseball, you have stop gaps. Well, that, and in the process of having stop gaps, you suffer defensively or offensively, and that's and the Indians for many years have done this and got away with it. I mean, you could think about when you know. Uribe was playing third oh, base three-fourths of the season in 2016. You could think of other outfielders that the Indians have had on a one-year contract. It didn't work out and other things. The Indians are famous for these one-year contracts, yes. like Rosario you know, this year, uh, trying to fill the gap. Sometimes they hit a gold. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, they don't. Be quite honestly, it's, it's a one-year gap. They're trying to find some, maybe you know, trying to strike gold. With a player and have a big year, and this it has happened. It doesn't happen as often as they hoped. The players that they gamble on usually are what I call average to above average players coming off a good season, not necessarily or coming off a bad season looking for a rebound. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised. But Eddie Rosario as an outfielder is very average to below average. Yes, we mm-hmm. know that. Yes, center field, and I totally agree with you. Has been a disaster. All players that played out there have not. The best player we have for an outfield position defensively is Zimmer, and you've already made your point there. Yes. So if he's your best def- defender uh, at center field, center field is a disaster. Yeah. 
Yeah, center field. And right field, mass. right field. You have Naylor playing right field, and I think long term he can do the job if you're allowing him to play it. You're asking him to play first base yeah, because it, that's his natural right. quote quote position and play right field. You really need just to you settle need to him. him out there. Yeah. yeah, you need a settlement. You basically have, and I see what they're doing this year. Basically, Bradley's your first baseman the rest of the year. They have to be. And in tight situations, they're going to make the switch mm-hmm. to give your defense another shot and put someone else out in, in in the outfield. In the end, I won't be surprised if Owen Miller is at short. Clement is at second in the next two years. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I won't be surprised if it does happen. I don't think Owen Miller will be extra. I think Tyler Freeman will probably be extra. Well, it could be. I'm just um, saying. Yeah. And and they got Gabriel Arias, too, from the Padres. Right. There's there's a lot him. of options, is my point. Is Ahmed Rosario is a good athlete, and and his bat is a major league bat. Yes. You know, he, could, he, he bat two years ago, he batted 289. Last year, 260 or 250. Yeah, and last year was a tough season. 60-game season. You can't compare. Much as I love talking about last season because it was, mm-hmm. you know, what was the most current. Yeah. It doesn't compare to the season. You have to look at 2019. Any player you're looking at right now, you have to go back to 2019 to get a full look at it. Last year was such an abbreviation and such a d- different scenario. You can't compare what a player did for 60 games offensively and defensively, even a starting pitcher. As much as I love Bieber, and Bieber was phenomenal last year, mm-hmm. and he earned everything he got, all the accolades. But you also look at what he did in 2019. You know what type of pitcher he is. You know what to expect when he's healthy. And there's the reason why he's the number one on this team. And there's reasons why we've seen the others all underneath him look to him. Now, he had the advantage of having the Carrascos Mm -hmm. and others who were on the team before him. Now it's his turn. He's a young guy to lead, but he's going to be there. He's someone that the Indians need to figure out a way to make him a long-term Indian. I'm not sure that's possible under the circumstances that how the Indians are organized, but it is what they are. And I look at this team as nine games above 500 at the, towards the end of June and exceeding expectations. I'm not with everything they're dealing with, they're exceeding expectations. And I don't expect them to put a five, six, seven game win streaks together. I don't. I don't think that's possible with this team's makeup. But I do believe they can win series. And I do believe that they'll win three or four in a row and then lose two in a row. Or they may lose four in a row and then come back and win four out of the next five. Or and stuff like that. I don't expect this team, the way it's made, and the players that are available to them as of today, to ever put a win streak above five. And I think a losing streak as high as five is possible. And you can't, in my opinion... Expectations has to be understand that you're going to lose to the Twins and the Tigers and all that because that's baseball, and you're going to lose games that you think you should win, like eight to six last night or eight to seven last night. Games where you had to lead three nothing yep. and you blew it, and you can talk about the starting pitching thing wasn't there in the end or the relief pitching wasn't there, and then all that's factual true. 
I'm not taking anything away from that. Or the defense made a huge error and let the game go on. All that is factually true. And that's why I don't think this team can ever win more than four or five games in a row. I do think they could lose more than they can ever win in a row because of the makeup. But my expectations of this team are exactly what we're on target for. Probably, you know, we'll know more here in the next month because the teams are playing and the injuries that are coming back. You know, hopefully good news is that Perez will be back soon, and you'll have him at catcher. That will make a big difference, uh, not maybe offensively, but defensively make a huge difference. And yeah, the Indians value catching anyways. Mm-hmm. It's not an offensive position. Hopefully Plezak is back in the next week or two. I think, And at least that will give you another able body pitcher on this team. I heard Plezak probably after the All-Star break. That might be true. Ray is probably back in the next week or two also. Um you're going to need all the help you can get to be competitive because the schedule starting next Thursday is ridiculous. Well, it the is. The Astros what, and Rays for right. seven, and then uh, you get the Royals to end the first half and As, come right uh, out of the break, and you right. get Oakland and Houston. We're going to find out if my my theory here, a four or five game win streak, lose streak, is, is real or not. We're going to find out because of the teams that are up against. Yeah, the end of July is uh, Oakland, Houston, St. Louis, Chicago. Um, that's really going to, um, I think, be the ungluing of this team. I don't see many more wins in July for or uh, June well, for the well, Indians. Well, you in know, July. I understand what you're saying. You're looking at, you know, in the next four or five weeks, it's going to be difficult. Good news is you do have a small break involved with the All-Star break. So hopefully that will help some players get better or get healthier, I should say. And hopefully that they will continue – to surprise, in a sense, uh, again, I my expectations are not to the point where I believe that they're going to win seven or eight games in a row. I really don't think they're capable of that. But I do think four games. I think they can sweep a team or two. I think they can win three out of four in, in long series. I think they win two out of three. They're going to be games. They're going to be series. They lose two out of three, and it's going to be frustrating. Uh, could they get swept? Sure. Obviously, you want to avoid that no matter who you are. You don't want long losing streaks. Mm-hmm. That's long losing streaks. Where I do believe this team needs is, you know, hopefully Reyes will be back soon. Hopefully some of your starting pitchers will will get healthy enough. Uh, losing Savali for up to a month or longer is devastating. Uh, and, you know, Bieber is still probably two weeks away. Yeah, he should be evaluated Tuesday, Monday right. or Tuesday. Right. So I mean, yeah, we're 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 treading water. I agree with you. We're treading water right now. If I had to have a team led by any manager in baseball to tread water, I oh, have yeah, the guy. I'm, I have yeah, the guy. I, yeah, I, and I that's no, why I maybe I'm over optimistic because of that. But I truly believe if this is one person who can handle the situation better than most as a manager and get the most out of his players. It's Terry Francona. Yeah, and I have no. And I'd rather have Tito over anybody. Um, I just, I think they're going to lose seven in a row against Houston and Tampa. I don't see a way they compete against those teams. Um, you're probably going to lose today, and you're and you're not going to compete tomorrow because Logan Allen's going to have batting practice. But would you know that he's he's being called off tomorrow? Well, again, you have no choice. Which is, you have you have anybody else besides Mister Eleven? Points. Who else are you going to bring up? 
Who? I don't have Tristan McKenzie than Logan Allen. No, no, not right Logan now. Allen has an ERA of 11.72 in AAA. In AAA, he has an ERA of 11.72. You also got to go with the player that's available. Uh, Tristan McKenzie is available on five days rest tomorrow. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm not going to argue that. Maybe he does. You have, but Kirk McC- you have anybody you've gone, but Here's, go here's the problem. Here's, here's the problem you have. You've evaluated Tristan McKenzie over the last month. As hard as it's been being called up every week to pitch and sent down the mm-hmm. next day. And I'm not saying that it is the best way to evaluate. You've seen him. You haven't seen Logan since April. So might as well give him that opportunity. I've seen I'm him in Triple A in 11.72 against those teams. Is Yeah, I understand your point. And the last time I'm I pitched say- against the Twins, they lost 10 nothing. Yeah. you. When you lost all five starting pitchers, you just got to go with it. I mean, they signed this guy, Peacock, a veteran. He's a good veteran. He's you know, a he's a veteran. Look, he's not going to be ready for a month. Yeah, and he's not a starter either anymore. Well, again, even if he's a quote-unquote starter like Quintrell, yeah. a guy gives you three to five innings, fine. Well, this is where the Indians are at right now. Other than trading for somebody who can get you six innings a game, which right There's now chances, chances are you're not going to find that player, as I was going to just say. I mean, the only option you have is people like Peacock who are available. If you go down in the Mexican League and bring Bartolo Colon, which, again, if Bartolo Colon was signed, and I'm not saying they need Mm -hmm. to sign him, if he's a stopgap for one month, that's one month Mm -hmm. that you have at least a guy who can get you potentially five innings every time out, and that's a a bonus. You you may not win those five games, but if you can get five innings— those are huge. And that's where the Indians are at right now. So expectations, in my opinion, are is enter each game with the opportunity to win. Don't lose games where you can win them. Like last night was a game they should have won yeah, and lost. Yeah, you can't be blown through nothing. Right. Like that, Those are the things that hurt a team. And I, I get the frustration on that. And I'm sure the, the Terry Francona and the coaching staff and the players understand that too. But that's, to me, where we're at. We're June 26th. We don't have a starting pitcher. We have to basically get through nine innings every game and see how far it goes. You know, Quintrell, obviously he's proven, in my opinion, a much better reliever yeah, than he is. Yep. And that's because he's limited his pitching. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a two-pitch pitcher in the bullpen. Yep. As a starter, he's a four-pitch pitcher. Obviously, his other two pitches are not, not as strong. Yeah. And it's difficult to be a two-pitch pitcher as a starter. Mm-hmm. You're going to run into this. This is the problem. These are why they're the fifth. That's why these players are the the sixth, the seventh, the eighth man on your rotation, a ninth man on your rotation. That's because they wouldn't be on your rotation if everybody was available. They'd be in different positions and, and different slots. So I hate saying this. You've got to take as a long view in the next five weeks, very difficult. But you know what? I can't think about five weeks. I got to think about today's game, what's going to happen tomorrow, and the following. Well, we know what's going to happen series. tomorrow. Well, again, we'll wait and see. You can't play the game until it's played. You I can hope for a right now. You can always hope for a rain. Hope for you know, a rain. You, know, you, know, you know, sane spawn and, and, and pray for and rain. Three days of rain. Yeah. We're going to hope for a big torrential thunderstorm tomorrow in Minneapolis to wipe There's it no out. question that days off will help the Indians. I mean, they'll have to play doubleheaders down the road, but that's, that's fine. You'll deal with that when it comes up. We'll play a little league doubleheaders. Yeah, exactly. So, anyways, 
I don't know. Anything else you want to talk about? Why is you switched to Nike? Did you hear that? No. What? Why is you uh, officially made the switch as of what day? Thursday for football to Nike. Oh, oh, they, they yes. yeah, they gone to Nike yeah. as their. I'm not surprised. I mean, Nike gets in every and the uniform renditions look pretty cool. Yeah. They look good. They, well, it looks like Pete's going to be on the collar now. Oh wow, which would be a nice change. Yeah. Oh, they brought in another quarterback. Eight quarterbacks now on the roster. Good. You know what that means? More the merrier. Eight times zero is what? Still zero. <laughs> hey, they got another receiver. Hey, can't be any worse than. Uh, I don't want to say the slate's clean, but it's a brand new season coming up. They're going to have a new training camp starting in July. So I I want to give, I said this last winter, I want to give Doug Phillips an opportunity to prove me wrong. And now is his opportunity. And these are the players he has. This is his coaching staff. They've had a, quote, extended preseason yep. as far as I'm concerned because the, the, the spring league was a complete disaster for them. He gets a clean slate on the sense of he's 0-0. Zero zero. He has to, you know, Wolf, I'll be more than happy to evaluate them come September when they have the opening game and they go from there. And I'm curious to see if they learn anything from spring that they're making changes come training camp in the fall. I'm not optimistic, but I want to give him the opportunity to prove me wrong. I want to, too. It's it's difficult. Oh, yeah. That's where I'm at with the Indians. I'm kind of in the same field with the Indians. I know what they're up against. But I'm not going to try to get 10 games in front of me right now. Right now, I'm going to see if they can win today, see if they can win tomorrow, and then go each day as it comes. It's, it is a marathon in baseball. It really, truly is. And as frustrating as April, May, June is... If you're where the Indians are at 41 and 32 and two games behind the White Sox, you got to be actually happy because you're actually playing games that matter. It very well could be you could have been the Baltimore Orioles who are 26 wins and it's season's over and you're just going to watch a baseball game because you like baseball. Mm-hmm. You don't expect them to win. You may be a player or two that you want to watch like Trey Mancini or something like that. He used to look good in the Indian Right, years yeah, ago, exactly. Yeah. I'll, I'll always have that thought. Oh, boy. Uh, he'll probably be 40 years old when that happens, but that's a different story. Uh, but that's where we're at. And that's what I expect. Side note. Yes. Uh, went last week to Pittsburgh, and the game was a disaster. The game was a mess. But I guess I never understood why Cleveland fans don't like Pittsburgh fans. I found out now. <laughs> I found out now the true colors of those people out there. They are not the world's friendliest people, are they? They have a tendency to be very blind. They are, um, we walk in the stadium. Nice stadium. Honestly, I think it's a little overhyped. The scoreboard, you got a nice one at Eastwood Field. And I'm being nice when I say that. Uh, the sight lines, not great. But hey, it's, the, the view's perfect. So when you go watch your AAA team, that view's gorgeous. Um, walk into the stadium. I don't know where I'm going because there's no signage or anything. 
And there's staircase escalator to go up upstairs to the second level. I have to get upstairs. So I just took the stairs, but I figured I'm able body, I can take the stairs. The stairs don't lead you upstairs. <laughs> of course, in the most Pittsburgh way possible, right? Right, right. Okay. And there are four hundred forty six bridges, which is um so I'm like, you know what? Let me go ask him. So my cousin takes his ticket, goes over and asks the guy. He goes, excuse me, sir. You know, what? do I take the stairs or escalator? He goes, I don't know. I'm not an usher. Now, he's wearing a pirate staff shirt and a pirate staff hat. And he's standing along the railing like this. And, my, and so I'm, I'm basically thinking, okay, you're dressed here to steal money. Like, I'm not saying you should know everywhere if you're not an usher. But at least if I walked into the Indians ballpark and I said, excuse me, you know, you know, you know where I go, someone could point me in the direction of fan services or point me in the direction of an usher. Yes. This guy just completely rude. The parking attendant, just not the friendliest. And you got these people celebrating a win in June like it's 1979 and... The We Are Family teams out there. They don't have wins too often, Eric. <laughs> no, they don't. And what uh, surprises me is their lack of knowledge. It's not very good. Pittsburgh used to be a great baseball town. And the fans will come out when they win. Exactly. And I'm not going to, but years ago, it was a great baseball town and it was a great baseball knowledge. And that very well not may not be as high as it once was. Uh, and I'm going to be kind saying it yeah. that way. And uh, yeah, well, there, rocking, I'm not surprised that you run into someone rude and someone uh, well, not and willing not to help. Just, and I don't want to make it seem like it was just a bad experience because my team lost. It's now the past three times I've been there. For games, I didn't care about the outcome. Right. Not been treated the best. You know, like when I'm there in 2012, um, when our cupcake team, as they called us, obliterated Pitt. Um, and anybody knew Eric Wolford couldn't coach a defense to save his life. <laughs> um, the one time the defense showed up. Yeah, the one, exactly. Uh, when I get told to F off, and encouraged by an eight-year-old, I'm kind of like, eh, you know what? That's, you know, or, um, so we're leaving Saturday, and we're walking out, and this guy's, you know, starting to trip with my cousin. My cousin goes, you're 25 and 50, or whatever you are. Like, yeah. once spring training ended, you guys started focusing on minicamp and the draft. So we're walking out, and, you hear some rumblings in the back, and then when we get down the escalator, all you hear is no. I didn't join in, but all you hear is "Let's go Browns," and PNC Park was overtaken by "Let's go Browns" the whole way across Roberto Clemente Bridge. That's Cleveland fans. And I turned to my cousin and I said, "You know what? This might be the first time since the '80s they can actually hold that over them and not even bash an eyelash." Yeah, I, I mean, th- I was wrong. My buddy said it. He goes, I will never go back. I don't like that city. I don't like them. He goes, and I'm like, no, no, they're good people. They're, you know, they're different. They are different. And I can finally see why Cleveland fans don't really like them. They're different. You know, one lady, she goes, I'm not used to losing. You're wearing a pirate shirt. Yeah. Like, you haven't been relevant since we are family team. You know, like, come on here. 
you're used to losing. The Penguins, outside of one, two years, yeah. The Penguins have been pretty competitive lately, but last this year or two has not been. Oh, yeah. This arrogance of the Steelers. Like, the Steelers haven't won a Super Bowl in what? Ten years. Ten years? Yeah. If not longer. So... I know. And, you're, and, and to me, the whole funny thing is, and I don't mind the Steelers. You're holding Big Ben to be this... Well, I can't. I mean, we could talk about this with any team. The face of your team is always ele- elevated to uh, dignity status. You know, they can do no wrong. They're the, they're the greatest of all time. I just want to admit I was wrong. Right. But all teams face of their organization does. That's just like Cleveland fans right now. If you see online or you talk to them, they think Baker Mayfield is the second coming of Joe Montana. Now, don't get me wrong. I hope he is. But let's be realistic. He's going to be, hopefully, a very good quarterback. And hopefully a very successful one that wins a championship because he's the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. and that's the team I, you know, I support. But if you think he's the best quarterback in football today, you're wearing blinders. I had somebody tell me that yesterday. At work. Well, of course they, but fans wear blinders. Oh yes, they do. I don't care who you are; you wear blinders because you. We all elevate players to a godlike. Mm-hmm. level and some of his mythology some of it has legitimacy some of it we never gave credit to when they were good mm-hmm. and I'm the first to admit when Tom Brady was winning championships and all mm-hmm. that and, and the, the the Patriots got seemed like every break yep. possible oh yes but they took advantage of every break mm-hmm. possible and they won and last year Tom Brady proved to the whole world that you put good players around him, and you're in a playoff situation. There's not really win. not yep. a better quarterback to have. Nope. He's proven that over and over again. Nope. Uh, you know, you could go all the way back to the tuck play when they went to their first Super Bowl. At, with that, those officials at that game, at that moment, I would guarantee you that would have been a turnover. Yep. And it would have been... Oakland's ball, and they would have been going to the, the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Yeah, but circumstances were what they are, or what what they were, and it changed the outcome. And boom, this is where they've been, and they've made the plays when they had to. Maybe they've gotten an extra shot or two. I'm not going to go down that road. Okay, mm-hmm. my point is, when you have an opportunity and you seize that opportunity, that shows you your greatness. And in the process of having a great run, players are elevated to godlike status. And prior to Big Ben, there was a desert quarterback in Pittsburgh. Yes. They got a couple that got him to the playoffs, but they also had Buddy Brister. Bubby also, A, be nice to Bubby Brister, the best third-string quarterback in NFL history. <laughs> he held that clipboard nicely in the Super Bowl game. Yeah, well, he held that clipboard nicely. You know, there, he wrote legibly. Yeah, my whole point is there are plenty yep. of players that came and go. You know, Tommy Morrison, a, a reject, mm-hmm. you know, from the NFL, from the U.S. or the XFL and all that. They ha- they went through their sources of bad quarterbacks. Yeah, they had O'Donnell who got him to a Super Bowl. He was a fine quarterback. Yeah. Was he a Super Bowl? No. Cor- uh, was he an all-pro slash 
uh, Hall of Famer? No. No. But he was a quality quarterback who led that team to a Tommy Maddox? Tommy Maddox. Cordell Stewart? Yeah. I mean, they've had their share. And they all had their blimps of success. They also had their failures. You know, I said Morrison. I meant... Yeah, Maddox. Yeah, uh, yeah, Maddox. Uh, But my point is... But when you finally find that quarterback, whoever it is for any team, they get that level where you accept it and what they can do. You know, uh, don't you you you're thrilled to have them because you know you have a chance to win. Because the NFL, if you don't have a quarterback, it's pretty proven you you're not going to win. It takes an extremely unique scenario, like Baltimore. You know when they won their first Super Bowl, they they had a they had a very competent quarterback, but they did not necessarily have an All Star quarterback, no, a top five quarterback. Uh, Tampa Bay when they won their first Super Bowl, same thing. But those are unique situations where the defense just dominated, mm-hmm. and if you play good quality non turnover football, you have a chance to win, and that's what they did. And they had a ground game both those teams. Yep, I mean, you could talk time. about yep. all the all the scenarios, and you can go to the same thing with your beloved Broncos. Yes, uh, was Elway past his prime those last few years? Probably. However, that team built around him had a lot of talent. And they had the run game, and they had the defense, so they were able to make them a Super Bowl caliber team. I didn't say this. And you, know, you can say the same thing when Manning yes, was there. I, you know, a better um, example a better, might be the Manning A better era. example is Manning era when he was benched halfway through the year and he got injured, and when he was healthy, he was not a strong quarterback when he came back. Right. Um, and that defense carried him to that Super Bowl championship and punished Every quarterback along the way, you know, Roethlisberger and mm-hmm. Brady, um, by the way, who has a losing record against Denver in the playoffs. Um, right. But- and, you know, and they just, much as the chagrin of people at work who disagree with me on this, Denver punished Cam Newton at Super Bowl. Punished him. Oh, sure they did. Punished him. Absolutely. Um, to the tune of 18 of 41 and three turnovers. And Best quarterback in the football that year was yep. Cam Newton. Did they take his game away from him? They Absolutely. They punished him. And those, those that's... That's how you win. Yep, exactly. You know, Bill Belichick is famous for taking the, your best player away from you. And you know, let, they did that for many let years. Let me ask you a question. Sure. Mm. Now, this is going any sport, any sport, any year, any game. What is one game in your lifetime? Uh, I'm going to trim it down to this. Playoff game. The Indians, the Browns, mm. Vegas, Liverpool, anybody. What is one game, one playoff game or championship going into it you felt the most confident ever? Like, you knew you were probably going to win that game. Well, I would say the back-to-back or the three the the, the YSU championships uh, okay. under Trestle. Uh, the back-to-back wins when they revenged the... The game against yeah. Marshall and then won the next year against, uh, Mc, was it McNeese State? McNeese was 97. 97. Okay, it was uh, against uh, the one in Boise, 94. Boise, yeah. Boise, yeah. So, uh, those two years, I I had no doubt in my mind who the best team was. Watched was that. Um, um, I was only three and four years old, so obviously yeah. I wasn't. I watched that 93 game. That game was over two series in. 
Yeah. Well, they had the two big runs, and that was the game. Yeah, that game was Once over. Once they got the lead, it was over, and the defense was and just dominating. And my dad – and I asked you this question because you go back to the Broncos Super Bowl in 2015. I don't think I have ever been more confident in a game in the Indians, the Broncos, YSU, that I knew my team was going to win. As soon as Carolina won that game to beat Arizona in the NFC Championship – I need to beat Arizona. I felt Denver was going to just. I will say this: the 2002 Ohio State game. championship yes. game against Miami. That was to me. I honestly believed. Yep. That Ohio State would win that game. I, I had too. no doubt I in my too. mind that they could and they should. I felt more and, confident going into that game than I did against Florida or LSU. Yeah. Uh, the LSU game, probably, I thought they probably would have won mm-hmm. in most circumstances. And LSU just played a great game. And You were in a super uh, home. Yeah. And, yeah. And quite honest, we didn't have the uh, – Ohio State – The quarterback play yes. wasn't – Yeah, yeah. They overachieved. Great. They yes, overachieved. Yes, yes. That team uh, but overachieved. But that was a rebuilding year. You know, quote, that, unquote. Right. And circumstances, you can remember, they lost late to Iowa that year. Yeah. And then the following week, things fell in their way, mm-hmm. and they got there. Yep. Uh, probably of all the championship games Jim Trestle's teams have ever got to, that may be the most undeserving championship yes. game that they yes. win, if you want to use that terminology. Because I believe Florida, West Virginia, like three or four teams that had to lose, right. lost. Right. It, it, was, yeah. it, was, it was a weird scenario, and it, and it ended up... but. I think if you talk to a lot of people, and going back to that O two uh, game against Miami, nationally nobody gave them a shot at all. Right, no, it, right. That was supposed to be a Miami's 17, twenty point game by halftime, and it was just going to be a route. Miami's championship. It was supposed to be what Jordan Shotherin did to us in '99. It was supposed to be a route. Yeah. Everybody thought it was going to be a route, except for the people that knew Jim Trestle and have watched his teams before. I think I felt more confident in that game than I did in the Michigan game. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Because they already beat Michigan. You already felt like they won a championship because yeah. they beat the number two team to get there. Uh, so, uh, but, yeah. And, you know, nobody had really been physical with Miami up until that game. And I think Miami was kind of surprised by the speed Ohio State had. And,. I'll say this, and I know a lot of Miami fans still blame the referee, which is immature to do that. Um, that game should have never gone to that point because the referees missed a fourth down call on Michael Jenkins' catch. That, I don't like re- re-officiating but, games, but I understand what you're saying. Um, that game could have been 21-7 going late fourth quarter, and it would have been over. It just You can't re-officiate but, ball games. I hate saying that, but you just can't. Was it a controversial call? Sure. I don't think it was an incorrect call. I really don't. No. Uh, was it was, was it flagrant? Yes. No, it wasn't flagrant. No. It wasn't flagrant. But under the rules, if you're going to throw the flag, you throw it was flag. there. Yep. And they did. Did it benefit? You have to take advantage of opportunities. Exactly. All teams do. I say this exactly. all the time. As I was talking about the Patriots earlier, maybe one of the best teams ever took advantage of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ohio State took advantage of that opportunity. And give other teams credit when they win. You know, this is the hardest thing to do for fans. When your team lose, it's difficult to give the other 
opposition credit. As much as it pains me to say the Canadians outplayed the Knights, they did. Did they take advantage of opportunities? Yeah. Absolutely. Did it change the 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 series? Sure. What happened to Mark Andrew Fleury was heartbreaking. Andre Fleury didn't deserve you know, Mark mm-hmm. Andre Fleury didn't deserve what happened to him. But it did. It happened, yeah. And it changed the series. They're up two to one. They probably win in five games. Mm-hmm. Maybe six. Instead, they lose in six. But you give a game away, those things happen. Anthony, we're almost 90 minutes into this. Yeah. So, um, last thoughts, my friend. I got nothing. All right. I got. I think we talked about anything under the sun. Yeah. Just if you're this long, I will ask you uh, to rate, review uh, our podcast anywhere you download this. I thank you for listening. Remember uh, to watch the GDFL on YouTube. All the games archived. Time you get this, this game, tonight's game will be archived. Uh, hopefully you'll see it. I'd love to have your comments either on YouTube or on our website uh, about that because I'm, I'm curious to see because I'm doing football solo, so it's kind of different. Love to hear your opinion on it. Uh, thanks again for tuning in. Just search 12-Ounce Sports or Ohio Gladiators, anything like that on YouTube, and you will probably find the game. All right, for Anthony, I am Tim. We will talk to you next time right here on Radio MVP. MVP.